0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Blue Wire.
1: What's going on, Hornets fans? Welcome into another episode of Buzz Beat. We are the go-to Charlotte Hornets podcast for deep analysis, and you can find us on the Blue Wire Network. Just search BuzzBeat and or Blue Wire on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. And we always appreciate your reviews and ratings, as it does go a long way in helping our exposure. On the last episode, if you guys didn't check it out, Brian, Spencer, and myself broke down the complicated situation surrounding Kimba's free agency. And looked into a couple of college prospects with Bowl Bowl and PJ
2: Washington. All right, on today's episode, uh, we're very happy and excited to have one of my good friends. I hope she's cool with me calling her that, <laughs> and one of the be- and one of the better minds uh, in college hoops media on the pod, Caroline Darney. Uh, Caroline is the managing editor for NCAA team brands at SB Nation. She's a UVA grad. Uh, master's degree in sports management from georgetown she worked at the the pentagon and finally she's chosen <laughs> to make something of her life and has decided to join this niche charlotte hornets podcast caroline thanks for coming on uh how are things in the off season Things
3: are great um it's actually really cool when you win a national championship um it's a lot of fun i, I highly recommend uh covering a team that wins a national championship, especially if it's your alma mater. So
2: <laughs> yeah, I I bet that's fun. Now I won't ask for like a specific dollar amount, but <laughs> in terms of in terms of like memorabilia regarding the final four, the title, just like I'm just gonna throw out a number and you just say higher or lower, okay? Okay? Yeah. okay. What if I throw out five hundred dollars?
3: Ooh, that might that might actually be right around where I'm at. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I got I couple, think that sounds about right. A couple that sounds about right. Uh, newspaper um, front pages framed, got the sports illustrated frame. Yeah. Um, and then I, I have, I think three shirts and two hats in a, all right. And a Turvis a tumbler. Cause you know, Virginia grab got a Tervis tumbler. So right. Yeah.
2: Do, do enjoy the Tervises. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. And, uh, Caroline, why don't you tell listeners where they can, uh, where they can find you, your work on Twitter or, you know, streaking the line or anything like
0: that. Yeah,
3: absolutely. So, uh, like you said, I, I'm currently working for SB nation, got some content on sbnation.com That was more, you know, during basketball season, but you can find me and my tapes on Twitter, uh, at CW And then, uh, you can always keep up with us all summer as we cover where these guys are going to go. Virginia guys in the draft this year at streakingalon.com, Um, as well as heading into next season, we're always excited about football. And, uh, well, we're covering lacrosse still. So, you know, we got that going, Ooh. which is fun. And uh, some baseball Brilliant. still happening. So yeah, any any of those places, come find me. I love to talk about basketball at any moment possible.
1: Well, before we get into these uh, three draft prospects from uh, Virginia, I do want to ask you a quick question about your background. Sure. Um, I looked over your your resume; looked pretty extensive. <laughs> uh, you held jobs of great importance. But I do want to ask, how did you land a job in sports media after working with something as prestigious as the Pentagon?
3: Yeah. Um, so the, the long and short of it, I was a Navy ROTC here at Virginia. Ended up, I was in the Navy for eight years. Um, I was an aviator, so I navigated planes. Um, and my shore tour, I worked with uh, I worked at the Pentagon working with the foreign defense attachés in D.C., which was pretty awesome. Um, and so not as, you know, dramatic as it sounds like going to the Pentagon, but it was a very cool place to work. Um, and I finally made something of my life, like Brian said, and got to come on um, a Hornets (laughs) podcast, which is what this has all been. No, it was fun. I decided to go to grad school for sports management. I've always loved sports. Um, I found out a little bit later and, um, that I liked writing and if I could combine the two, that'd be pretty sweet. Um, Mm -hmm. and it, I so I wake up every morning and wonder that same question: <laughs> How did exactly. I get here? How am yeah. I so lucky to do this? And uh, it's it's been a pleasure. I've been at SB Nation a little under two years, so it'll be two years in August. Um, so it's been a it's been a blast. It's been really fun. I've covered the basketball team for various outlets um, here in Charlottesville for uh, I think five of the last six years. Um, so pretty good pretty good time to get involved. Or six of the last seven. London Perantes' yeah. first year was my first year on the beat, and I missed one. That
2: year. was the 2012-2013 season. Yep. Was Perantes this freshman year? Yeah, yeah, that was my first year I ever covered. First year out of college, I ever covered the ACC too. Yeah. Um. So I've done I've done aggregation before in the past. Streaking the lawn with Virginia is 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 great. It's actually like legitimately has been my go-to Aww. for Virginia information <laughs> here. Speaking of Virginia information was quite the year for Virginia basketball, uh, Caroline. I know she, I saw you at a lot of Virginia games this season, yep. including one I was fortunate enough to get up to in Charlottesville when they hosted Duke. That was a lot of fun. A good basketball team, of course, had good players on it, some of whom are seen as very, very important uh, draft <laughs> prospects. So we'll get so we'll get started with one of my favorite players. This is a guy that I know myself and one of the other co-hosts here, Spencer, he and I have liked this guy for, you know, going back to his redshirt freshman year, that's DeAndre Hunter. Yeah. Like, is it a little hard for you to believe where we are now at this stage with Dre, like 18 months ago, <laughs> he's coming off his redshirt freshman season. There are some rumors swirling of him, maybe transferring. Yeah. And now this guy is like a top six, seven pick in the draft. Basically. What do you remember about those early days? I'm thinking like November, 2017, some of those whereabouts with Dre that sort of shaped the prospect that he's become today. Yeah,
3: and he was a guy that got off to a little bit of a sl- even a slow start in you know that first season in 2018. Mm-hmm. They played the full season. I-, I will say I don't know there's many other coaches like Tony Bennett that will take a prospect or a guy like DeAndre Hunter and actually red- redshirt him for the whole season. There was some discussion that 2017 – 2018 season about pulling him off that red shirt just because of, you know, they lost Austin Nichols. There were some injury Mm -hmm. issues, that sort of thing. Um, But you got to see really early on um, what he was capable of doing. And he's the type of athlete and the type of player that Virginia doesn't. I think other than Justin Anderson, Virginia hadn't seen an athlete, like a guy that was just so gifted with every possible facet of his game. And granted, he did develop things. His shooting developed over his time in Charlottesville. Um, but you could just see the raw skills when he came in. And then after spending a year with the strength and conditioning group, especially Mike Curtis here at UVA, who's just outstanding, he stepped onto the court in you know, his first season, 2017-2018. Uh, and you're like, oh, he's a grown dude. Like, he's ready to play. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it was quite the start. He, he dropped 23 on Monmouth, um, which, you know, you kind of look at that show's he was seven for seven from the field. You just could see the stuff that he could do. And when he starts like dunking on people, like the UNC game, mm-hmm. Virginia hasn't had yeah, a guy that can do that. Like that was the thing he where got, he got Joel Berry yeah, bad. He got, he got, got Joel Berry bad. bad. If I remember correctly. Yeah. And he got a couple Miami players pretty good. Um, I think there were one or two of them at the rim and a win there. And so you just kind of saw a glimpse of, he was relatively consistent, but he wasn't anywhere. What we got from him this year. Um, Mm -hmm. And especially once you hit conference play, DeAndre was like that X factor. The the criticism of Virginia, the boringness factor and all that sort of thing, they've always said that Virginia didn't have a guy that they could rely on to get a basket when they needed. And that's what DeAndre was. At multiple times over the course of the season, obviously Ty Jerome and and Kyle Guy morphed into roles where they could help with that. And I think that was actually the Mm -hmm. case – uh, and why Virginia was so successful this past season was because of those guys stepping into bigger roles and becoming more offensively threatening. Um, but DeAndre could score when you needed points, but he could also defend just about anybody you asked him to. And that's where, when you look at that UMBC game where he didn't play because of the broken riffs that he, he got against Clemson mm-hmm. Um he's the type of guy that could lock up a a, gyre, a, a Lyles or yeah, slow down. Tri- yeah, yeah. It, it, it,
2: Jairus Lyles yeah. turned into Kyrie Irving yeah. for one night at, uh, <laughs> at Spectrum Center.
3: And so while there's good, good defenders, like Devin Hall was an outstanding defender, was probably the best. Well, I mean, Isaiah Wilkins on that team too. So they were obviously great yeah. individual defenders, but no one had quite the the speed and ability to stay in front of a fast guard like DeAndre Hunter had. So it's kind of a really and, long and answer we, to your question, but um <laughs>
2: And we saw no, it's good. And we saw this year like that became an ace, like a, an ace up Tony Bennett's sleeve this year. You know when they when they needed a stop in the second half, they used DeAndre Hunter on Kobe White, yep. Nikhil Alexander Walker, uh, Jared Culver. Yep. I mean the list like these are all I just listed off like lottery <laughs> prospects too. These exactly. are these are like these aren't just like good college players. These are like NBA players too. I think one of the things that sort of goes unnoticed or, or doesn't get spoken about enough, and sort of like bigger mainstream circles in terms of what Tony Bennett's done with Virginia is like, I think this has become one of the premier, if not the premier program in terms of player development in college basketball. And I think, especially now that John Beline has left Michigan, I think they were sort of right there. I think Jay Wright and Villanova are at the top of this list too, but like in terms of programs that are doing routinely a really, really good job the last five, six years of just like molding, NBA rotation role players. Virginia's doing an incredible job. You just mentioned Justin Anderson. We can watch Malcolm Brogdon <laughs> in the playoffs. I mean, at this part, it feels like he's sort of like ascending past role player oh, status. Yeah. And obviously he's, he's got a big payday coming up this summer too. But like Joe Harris. Can you, can, Yeah, Joe <laughs> Harris is that he's been great. Mike Scott had a had a nice season uh with the Clippers and with the Sixers, and he had some good moments in the in the playoffs at times too. But just like can you speak about maybe now, if you can be as granular granular with this as yeah. you want talk about the sh- specifics, but just like, what are Tony Bennett and his staff doing? Cause just, I look at this year's roster with Virginia and every player and the rotation got better. And some of them got like significantly <laughs> yeah. better. Can you just, can you, can you speak to at all to like the player development aspect of this program and how that relates to it sort of becoming a bit of an NBA pipeline? Yeah.
3: and, and, What's interesting, and I, I honestly don't mean this to sound as like judgy or condescending as it's going to sound, but he legitimately recruits players that fit the system, and he knows that mm-hmm. he has to get players that are willing to. And I, again, I'm not saying that people that don't come to Virginia don't work hard or whatever else, but there's knowing that yeah. you have to play defense, and you will not see the court unless you play defense. Is is a thing that I think is tough for a lot of maybe folks that are going to be lottery picks a lot of it with until this year why I think this year was also good for Virginia one getting players into the league is nothing but good for Virginia because that shows that you can come to Virginia and you can play Mm -hmm. in this style this quote-unquote boring slow paced whatever you want to call it Um, and I know you don't feel that way but you know having people have talked about it that that sense the you know slowest pace and D1 per Ken Palm all that stuff but that you can play in the system and he will teach you to become a better player. And you can go into the NBA and be the rookie of the year, or you can be the guy that wins the three point shooting contest because Malcolm Brogdon was like a low four, high three star recruit, depending on what you Mm -hmm. and you know, same with Kyle guy and this, this trio, the big three that we call him was definitely the higher rated players that he had. But again, like you said, you look at guys like, Isaiah Wilkins who came out and was clearly a better player at the end of his time. It's a getting the right guys that are committed to working hard and learning the system and what he teaches you will make you an all around better basketball player. So it's the, um, you can't really teach the basketball IQ. I don't think that's something that, you know, you have it or Mm -hmm. you don't, or you can learn to get better at it, but that's some innate sense that like Ty Jerome has uncanny, knowledge of what's going on around him at all moments. Um, And that's something that just makes him a great basketball player because it's something that he's developed and that he has within him. That's not necessarily something that he was taught at Virginia. But finding those diamond in the rough players that kind of slide through or uh, uh, finding them early enough, like this situation with Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome, um, where they're committing super early. But it's just a matter of like those guys – he sees something in these players and he's just a damn good coach. He's a good technical sound coach.
2: I think one of the big things with a lot of the Virginia players and and we'll get to Jerome here in one second. I want to, I want to hit on him for a couple of reasons, but like I think game to game all like preparation and, and, and scouting and stuff like that. I think overall in college is lacking in a lot of places. I think Virginia does as good of a job uh, is anyone, if not maybe the maybe the best in the ACC, um, and I think that helps guys. I think that's part of what helps some of these guys when they get to the NBA too. They know how to they know how to like you know how to fit, how yeah. to play in a half court offense, how to how to how things are going to be different. There's going to be adjustments every night, every half, et etc. Um, and, and I think that that's a big boon for them too. And that, that's sort of attached to basketball. For sure, IQ as and, well. and part
3: of it is this. What I keep looking at is over the course of the NCAA tournament is each game had a player outside of the big three that stepped up in a way that was really masterful coaching from, from Bennett. So you look at the Purdue game by going big and having Diakite and Salt in there, that was a turning point in the second half. And using, utilizing Salt, mm-hmm. who had barely been used in the games before, um, was huge. in just getting the right guys in the right place and, and doing the simple I loved the game at North Carolina this year. I thought that was one of the best coach games by both Roy Williams and Tony Bennett. That to me was more of a chess match where Mm -hmm. they're, you know, trying to get guys off who's marking whom and who's on the court at any given time. And you look at the utilization of Braxton key in the championship game, another guy that didn't play a lot in the games leading up to it, um, who was outstanding or, Kihei Clark against Oregon, mm-hmm. which on paper you'd think was a horrible matchup for him because Oregon was built a lot like Florida State. And I'm the biggest like Kihei defender. I think the kid, you know, I was always like, this kid needs to be on the court, one because they needed backcourt depth, but also because like he needs to learn and he's a smart player. He, you know, I think we can see now his passes are pretty good. Um, but you look at, Yeah, the way that he was used, he had twelve points in that game. Virginia doesn't beat Oregon without Kehe Clark on the floor, so it's really interesting, like just using those pieces and and guys like Kehe Clark or even like a London Perantes are the hallmark type small pieces that Tony Bennett finds and turns into not just like workable players, but like all ACC caliber or national champion. Players like Keke Clark, he, he has a national. Cha- he led Virginia to their first national championship in school history. So,
2: the the or- the Oregon yeah. win was crazy too because that like mean, the 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 defense Oregon was playing. I believe Spencer or our co host Spencer described it as a matchup zone on speed. Like it was just it was just insane. So the Hornets have a pick. You know, unfortunately, I don't think DeAndre Hunter is going to be available to the Charlotte Hornets no. at pick number twelve. This guy seems like he's destined to go in that first top half dozen or so that's what happens when you start winning those games towards the end of the season we talked about that, right exactly yeah exactly like the Hornets sort of played themselves out of a top 10 pick and and Hunter played himself into more of a top five range top six range um but let's but the Hornets also pick 36 you know I think Ty Jerome there's a very good chance this is a guy that goes in the first round but he could also slip back to the second round you know it was interesting he measured at six five and a half at the combine last week without shoes pretty tall but with actually with a negative wingspan, only yeah. really six foot wingspan, his <laughs> wingspan was slightly smaller than than Kyle right? Guy. Isn't that crazy? Uh, yeah, it's weird. You know, he was a pretty decent steals guy in college, over three percent steal rate the last two seasons. You know, I, I like Ty Jerome a lot. He has this amazing ability to hit floaters and leaners in the in the lane yeah. and use the backboard and stuff like that. But just you know, I guess I think some people are going to be concerned with his lack of length as a defender. And I think there's, there's certainly some, there can be some concern there. And I think there's some concern for how he'll do against NBA level, closeouts, shooting threes and stuff like that. But basically from what you've seen, could you speak to why, like you think this guy might be, it could be a good one-on-one defender. could be a good assignment, good team defender in the NBA from a you know, from a competitive standpoint or from, from like an instincts basketball IQ standpoint.
3: Yeah. So the biggest thing that he has got, luckily, I think from what I've looked at and learned over, you know, luckily the NBA, the combine results, aren't the end all be all, especially if you have as outstanding game tape as Ty Jerome has, because like you said, the, the instincts and the competitiveness, um, Ty Jerome was one every, and I feel like I say this every time like a class comes through at Virginia. Um, you know, like oh, Joe Harris is my favorite player. Like he's one of my favorite players. to Play at UVA, and mm-hmm. then like you look at Malcolm Brogdon and London Perantes and Isaiah, and but Ty Jerome. There's just something about the way he plays. He was the he was probably one of the few guys on the team that had that real dog in him. That like was just so competitive and so like yeah. there is no quit. Um, the ridiculous game that Virginia came back and won at Louisville last season, where DeAndre Hunter banked in the three, mm-hmm. and they were down four with .9 seconds left. That was all possible because of the way Ty Jerome played. I think actually Ty Jerome was probably the best player for Virginia over the course of the NCAA tournament. He was the most consistent, and Kyle Guy was outstanding. I think he deserved the most outstanding player in the Final Four, like no issues. Um, but Ty Jerome was, the, of the three, the one that was usually overlooked, um, and it wasn't necessarily like because he wasn't flashy or didn't have great numbers or anything like that, but he was just a guy that... Kyle guy became like the face of the program. So, you know, right. 13.6 points per game, 4.2 rebounds. He, his defense improved dramatically over his time in in Charlottesville. What a lot of people, I don't know, hopefully this isn't, won't be a huge knock on him, but he didn't finish his senior year of high school playing. He obviously finished high school, but (laughs) he was going to do season playing because he had to get hip surgery. So a lot of Mm -hmm. the like, People have said he doesn't look athletic. Um, he looks kind of flat-footed when he's out there. Um, when he first came to UVA, he didn't have great um, speed or lateral movement because of like still getting over that surgery. But like you said, he's a good steals guy. I, I never thought mm-hmm. watching him play defense like that he didn't have that length. I'm actually surprised when I saw that he had the negative wingspan. I think it's a fair – athleticism is always a thing that people will knock him for. Um, but I think he brings enough to the table where he can work in a team defense and he's so creative with his shooting. He's so smart about it. And he thinks two passes ahead of everybody else, whether he has the ball or whether he could be on the receiving end of it. So he's looking at where can I be to best set up my teammates? And that's the kind of stuff that he brings to a team that I think will impress, you know, GMs when they're looking at guys to draft, because he's just a, smart player and your baller yeah. he he can hit that shot yeah. that he hit at Duke last year where he faked to the scorers table um I think it was Trayvon Duval is that right is that the right way to say it uh <laughs> yeah. Or Duval yeah or whatever he, yeah he, he shook him off remember. fully and got that yeah. just and he will shoot you know NBA threes um
2: yeah he's got he has range yeah. and he can shoot it off the bounce yeah. and he was like I mean, he was basically as good as Guy was. Kyle Guy was off the catch this season too yeah. all you know, they're sort of different movement shooters, but they're both pretty special. Speaking of Kyle Guy as a special yes. shooter, you know, this guy's one of the best at reading coverages, reading screens, setting his defenders up and stuff like that. And the NBA Teams want guys that can shoot off the catch, that can shoot coming off screens, that can be guys that can bend and move defenses with their gravity. You know, how do you do? You do you see? Do you think of guys a guy that can sort of take this, take his skill set that was really, really special in college? And, and and for the record, like I think his shooting's going to obviously translate. Yeah. Like that's a skill that comes with you. But just I don't know. Do you have Do you have any sort of like loose general thoughts on on guys? His ability to shoot off the move using screens and and sort of why that is so special and impactful. for I
3: him. think he can the oh man the way he shoots even when he was like oh for whatever to start the N C A A tournament every single time he let the ball go I I think it's going in because just the like he's just so consistent and such a strong shooter and the way that he can get open he needs. A fraction of a second to get that thing up. And if my, the best way to, mm-hmm. that showcased his shooting, in my opinion, well, just his three point shooting, was the game at Syracuse this year because those, those guys are long too. That, that Syracuse team in yeah. that zone. And he was coming off screens. He was, you know, falling off, you know, picks off the backside, getting shots up, hand in his face, no hand in his face. You can watch really any, the Carolina game. He had a couple great. Great plays to end of the game, and that also ties in what I was talking about with like the way Tony Bennett organized or set, like coached in that game. Virginia had used that elevator screen so many times to get him open that the
2: they started using all these yeah, he used the to counters it to it, and he
3: faked the elevator screen and curled back around and got open for a three. And then he'll do stuff that's like yeah. you know he would he, just for a second he paused and put his hands on his knees so that his he he wait he can he reads the defense so well like that guy slacks for a second and he's cutting.
2: And he, the one The one at the one at UNC he was matched up with Kenny Williams, who's a was a very good like off ball college wing defender. And he got he got Kenny leaning one way and slipped back yep. off off one of those like inside triangles to the near corner, and you could actually see like Kenny like sink yeah. his head <laughs> because he knew he was like I, I've, I've yeah. been had. Um, yeah, yeah. Kyle guy is a special shooter, and um, you know, I, I think it's a little. Spencer's talked about this before. I think it's a little interesting. He was so quick on his decision to say, I'm going pro. But I think there's a lot of reasons for, for why, you know, mission accomplished in Charlottesville and and why he would maybe be interested in taking his, his talents to the next level. Caroline, thanks again for joining us. We really, really appreciate the insight and the, in the perspective. And um, I hope
3: one of them ends up in
2: Charlotte. That'd be great. I think that that would be really cool. I know Spencer and I are pulling for Ty Jerome at pick 36. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to get there because some of those teams at the back end of the first round, he just like makes too much sense, like on the Bucks yeah, or San Antonio what, or something like that. If he goes to the
3: Bucks, like every UVA fan is going to lose their mind. Mean, yeah, really the yeah, I, yeah. Malcolm. I
2: know, I know. But, you I know. know f- Fifty-two
3: I know. spot that could be a Kyle Guy landing spot there.
2: We'll, we'll see, we'll <laughs> see. And uh, in in thirty-six with, with Jerome, you know, you never know. The anything from twenty-five to forty, there's just it feels like there's a lot yeah, of variance absolutely. there. But thank you again for joining us again. It's been Caroline Darney. From SB Nation, Streaking Lawn, and uh, yeah, follow her for everything on UVA. All right. On the other side of the break, Spencer's going to join
1: Brian and continue the conversation on the UVA draft prospects. But first off, Harry's Razors is helping Blue Wire listeners with a better shaving experience. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set. This includes a five-blade razor, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. Enough with the cheap razors. Go to Harry's and try it now. It's just $3 for all of our loyal listeners. Harry's has fixed shaving, combining a simple and clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and over-designed. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash
2: bluewire to redeem your razor for $3. Okay, transitioning from talking about some of those Virginia draft prospects, Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, and of course, DeAndre Hunter with Caroline Darney. Thanks again to her joining us for the first half of the podcast, uh, Spencer Percy. Who is uh out of state on assignment somewhere else we assume he's doing some sort of secret scouting mission for the hornets right now but uh, uh we thought we'd have spencer who's our resident uva hoops junkie here have him circle back so we can we can go over some more of these prospects so spencer where anywhere you want to start in particular with one of these three guys hunter jerome uh guy or anything you want to get off your chest here as we're you know about a, a little a little less than a month out from the draft um i let's just jump right in with Kyle Guy. I feel like yeah,
4: you know the, the buzz with him um or at least the surprise uh with him you know entering the draft and then mm-hmm. literally pulling his name out of any possibility of coming back to UVA and that was obviously before the combine and all that but it, but he seemed to hold his own pretty well at the combine. Mm-hmm. You know one of the things with with him I always thought was possible but not likely was his ability to to handle the ball to play in the pick and roll, to be a secondary creator. You know, I always thought that was possible. I should have prefaced it by saying before this past college season. I think Guy showed a lot of that uh, this past season for UVA. He's a better finisher around the rim than you think he is. He can make the pass to the to the weak side of the floor. He He really understands offense at a high level with the ball in his hands, not just for himself but others. And so it looked to me, I didn't get to watch everything from the combine from both days, but there's a lot of solid buzz out there for Guy right now being able to create offense and he has to be able to do that measuring shy of six, one without shoes, right? BG. So, you know, I I think he showed, I was impressed with him what I saw at the combine and, and not surprised though, because it really did follow up on the kind of season he had, at uva uh with the national championship so i think he's going to get drafted and and i'll kind of let you throw your thoughts in from there yeah
2: yeah it was sort of interesting right to see him actually still measure out with a better wingspan than ty jerome right i mean not by much but that that was sort of like well i just in my head i I never visualized it to be that way but i think that's with what like a plus three inch wingspan or whatever so at least he's got that not like he you know it was one of the smaller wingspans at the combine but um yeah as virginian this is something Spencer you and I have talked about a fair amount this season or tweeted about or whatever but with virginia's with it with the way they sort of altered their offense uh going you know sticking obviously with plenty of mover blocker but going more to that high continuity ball screen side to side offense you, all of those guys had to be able to handle the ball and I mean yes obviously Ty Jerome and Kihei Clark were the sort of the main pick and roll and ball handler engines in that. But DeAndre Hunter had to play on both sides of the pick and roll as well as sort of playing that like middle lift role that he had uh, when the, when he used the ball to get it from one side to the other. But Kyle guy had to be able to do that too. You know, he'd he be at 12% assist rate this season, 12% in ACC play. Like both those numbers are, are fine. And I, with this guy's ability, you know, Spencer, you know what it is like in the NBA. Everyone wants guys that can that can move around, that can shoot threes, that can fly off screens. And in my head, I sort of see him as a guy that can like really at least initially be like a good bench offensive weapon. Think about how like Steve Clifford would use someone like Marco Bellinelli in a couple of years ago. It's a guy that, yep. all right, when Kemba sits, all right, we're going to go down to it. We're going to go to our pin down offense. You know, we're going we're gonna to start getting this guy coming off pin downs and flares. And because he's got to look, because he can put the ball on the hoop once or uh, on the ball on the floor once or twice. Yeah, this is this is going to be a way for us to gin up a little bit of uh of of, of second unit offense when our starters or a couple of our starters are on the bench. And like he said, he shots just under sixty seven percent overall at the rim. I mean, that's factoring in fast break looks and stuff like that too. But i i you know i think this is a guy that if depending on where you get him in the second round with his ability to shoot off the move and stuff like that yeah i I don't feel great about him as necessarily a first round pick because of some of the defensive concerns and or or maybe we shouldn't be as concerned but you know i like him as a value pick at at certain spots in the draft um yeah yeah any any thoughts on him in terms of like uh where he looks like immediately or how he fits in defensively yeah, I mean, I, I think a smart team
4: is, is going to draft him. Um, he could totally flame out, right? Like, he's, he, right. You know, he's not tall, he's thin, he's going to be a defensive liability. To answer your mm-hmm. question, what I like about Guy, though, is he's one of those players that he just tries hard. He battles, um, you know, his his defensive inefficiencies are, are obvious and always will be, But but he plays so hard, and I think – that's going to help him a lot from a coaching perspective for guy. What'll keep him in the league is coming to the NBA and, and and really being a 40 point three point shooter, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like he has to be that it's how Troy Daniels has stayed in the league as long as he has. I mean, he literally does nothing on the floor, nothing else on the floor. That's really of, of too much value, but the guys, I mean, he's just such a lifestyle shooter guy kind of has to be, uh, at the same time, a player, I think, and, and and I'll say this, and then we can probably move on. But as good of a as an outside shooter he, as he is, he he does run hot and cold, and he is going to have to try to. He's going to try have to try to kind of gather that bad habit when he gets to the next league. He's got to make shots, and he's got to make them regularly. I mean, yeah. nothing else is really playing in his favor. So, but I do think a smart team will draft him because he's worth. What I, I think he's a low-risk, high-reward kind of prospect
1: yeah. to pick around.
2: I think he's just going to have to do that. And then uh, the, uh, the sort of obvious other point is just like get in kick-ass shape. I mean, I think the comparison is like a little trite because we're just talking about, you know, shorter white guy shooters or whatever. But it's like he's got to think J.J. Redick, you know what I mean? Like that, that's got him. And you see Redick is still this, this good. He's been in the NBA for almost 15 years. But he's just worked himself into amazing shape and yeah you hopefully Kyle guy is is closer to that end of the spectrum than he is you know you know, Jimmer Fredette for dead or something like that, um but yeah, he's clearly a special uh, off ball shooter and a guy that can that was rather good at using screens, setting up his defender yeah fifty eight percent effective shooting coming off screens this season, well one point one four points per possession, which is a big number, and obviously he was one of the better catch and shoot players in the entire country along with his teammate Ty Jerome uh, I know he's a guy that we've talked a l- we've talked about before on this podcast and, and Caroline and I hit a little bit on hit on Ty Jerome a little bit um, in the first half of the podcast as well but with the I think his you know him showing up with a you know what six three and a half six four wingspan or whatever I think for some of the people that were worried about this as a guy that would have trouble against NBA style closeouts or whatever you know how are how, if any, concerned are you with a guy like Jerome who's not super explosive and is is not super long? Is there any reason for concern, or are we just saying, man, this guy's a good basketball player? We're not worried about you know, some of these measurables. Yeah, I don't worry about him as all so much with Jerome because he's one of those
4: players that you really, truly cannot speed up. Mm. You know, he's not... <laughs> He doesn't have the the measurements and the intangibles that Kawhi Leonard does. Probably the, the type A can't speed up kind of player, right? Uh, yeah, that that right. you point to, but but like a guy like Kyle Guy, yeah. you can speed him up. I and mean, if you go back and watch his tape, mm-hmm. you know you can make him uncomfortable. Cam Reddish did that twice last season to him. Um, with Jerome, you can't, and that's why I don't feel as uh, I don't feel as nervous about some of the measurables. You know, I, I saw a pretty a comparison that's an easy one to make, but. In terms of style and just a player knowing exactly who he is and affecting the games in the ways that, that he knows he can, regardless of who he's who he's going up against. Is I, it Brogdon? I, it is Brogdon. And I'd never yeah. thought of that. Their, their yeah. measurements aren't similar. Um, the way that they from the spots of the floor they shoot the ball on and how effectively they do it. Like there's not a lot of similar parts to their games when you look at their stats. And and, and and kind of the, a heat map of where they score from. But their styles are very similar. And that's something to be said about the program. But I'm not going to go down that uh, rabbit hole because I could talk about that a long time and my love for Tony Bennett. Yeah. But um, yeah. but but look, Jerome does play very similar to Brogdon. If you haven't seen much of him and you kind of want a, a sense of his style, it, very much like Guy – he'll have to be a player that really makes his, I think makes his hay from shooting the ball from downtown and Jerome's greatest strength with his shot is, is his, is his range. I mean, that guy can shoot, uh, he's got, yeah, he's Everywhere. got, he's got Steph Curry, uh, range. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't pull it as quick, but he will shoot it from just inside half court if, yeah. he, if he's got mm-hmm. a, a head of steam. So, his explosiveness, too, I would say, is a little underrated. And he knows how to use his body when he does get past his defender, gets into the lane. He's a great, great player to probing with the basketball and, and waiting until the very last second to kick it to the opposite corner for a wide open shooter. He's just a real cerebral kind of player. And, I, you know, th- this is going to sound cliche, but I think a smart team will draft him higher than yeah. his measurables and some of the other things we you know, we measure these players on suggest.
2: There are some really smart teams like at the back end of the first round that that play a style play offensively where you're like, man, you could just copy and paste Ty Jerome right into Brooklyn or Golden State or San Antonio or Milwaukee. And it's like, you know, he fits he fits all of these systems. Um, Jerome, 48 percent effective shooting off the dribble in the half court. It's a good number. 72 percent on catch and shoots effective shooting in the half court, which is a monster number It was basically – uh, I think it was number two in the ACC this season behind only – or actually it was number one in the ACC just ahead of Cameron Johnson, who's another one of the top movement shooters in in the draft this year out of UNC. I actually think one of the reasons why I actually like the the Jerome Brogdon comparison and have sort of likened those two together for, for basically since, I don't know, halfway through this season or so, is like I think – Neither of those guys have, like, an amazing first step, right? But Brogdon, because of his shot, because people have to respect his shot, he's a 40% three-point shooter, and because he can drive both ways. He can go left or right. Watch this guy play against the Raptors. He's taking good defenders, uh, Lowry, Danny Green. He's going by these guys, and he's he's finishing at the rim. He just, like, burrows past guys. And I think it's it's that, it's like you don't need to have the world's best first step if you can go left, if you can go right, and if teams have to respect your jump shot, like you, you can put them in bad spots and you don't have to have, you know, the, the Kemble Walker like twitchy first step. Like you, you can be a little more, uh, you know, a little more uh, not plodding because that, that's, not, that's not, I don't think that's necessarily Jerome, but like you don't have to be as, as speedy as some of those other guys. Yeah, um, yeah. And Jerome just has an amazing ability to just, even if he doesn't get past the guy, to, to hit those floaters yep. and to use the glass from every single angle. Like I, Spencer, I don't know what like sacrifice, it, like what dark magic this guy has practiced to be gifted at this good at using the glass and stuff like that. But it's uh it's pretty impressive. I,
4: I mean, it's exactly what I was just getting ready to say. It's a great point. You, you really in, in an NBA where defenses are loading up to take guys off the three point line and to send them in one direction or the other. I mean, yes, you can't really send Jerome anywhere, and you can flood him to the corner with a very, very shallow angle to the rim and the backboard. But he'll find a way to to send some sixteen foot floater off the top edge of the backboard and goes <laughs> in. He did. It, he did it against <laughs> Texas Tech late in that game. Yep. I mean, it, it, and it, to UVA fans, it, it, I think they're just so used to it. To everybody else, like, what? How did he just make that Whoa, shot? Yeah, he, he he did that all season. Um, yep. He's a extremely extremely crafty basketball player very old school kind of style um i I just think that i think his floor is so high um you know another guy that you can't guarantee he'll stick in the nba because of his athletic Mm -hmm. um you know and 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 measurable deficiencies but when, when you're a smart player and you don't turn the ball over um you shoot it well and you can score from a lot of different uh, you know points on the floor uh, and create for others there's mm-hmm. only so much that can go wrong and, and here's the last thing i'd say is to say about jerome you know imagine being a coach of one of these smart teams we're talking about brian and thinking man it well think about being a team that needs a point guard a good team that needs a point guard immediately or a team that just would like to take on a third uh, and if they if they take on an injury now you have a guy in Ty Jerome that as a coach you know you can put him in the game. And the game's Mm -hmm. not going to get away from you, right? Like, here's a guy who can almost come into the NBA immediately and control Mm -hmm. the flow of an offense. There are so few guards, even guards that are projected to be lottery picks that you can say that about in any class. And so that's something you got to remember when you're talking about a guy like Ty Jerome. He controls the basketball game.
2: One of my hopes for him – is that he gets because because I'm not sure as I, I think Ty Jerome is an NBA player I'm all like I'm all in on that and I think he's like a winning NBA player I think he's a contributing NBA player I'm not I'll be curious to see if he has the ability to actually do like the 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 like the lead guard role like I'd love to see him in a spot again similar to what you know Brogdon's career sort of took on a different role the you know when when the Bucks traded for Eric Bledsoe last season and then now this season playing at that as that like that second guard. But basically like the, the third or fourth creator, along with Giannis and Eric Bledsoe and Chris Middleton in this sort of like shell offense that, that Mike Boonholzer's playing, and he's been incredible. Like I'm the fifty, forty, ninety club led the league in free throw shooting, and like he's been great at the rim. Like I I'm hoping Jerome gets the ability to do something like that where he can get some gets, you know, some possessions where he's a guy that's, yeah, I'm I'm gonna run, pick and roll, I'm gonna get the possession started, but that he gets to be a guy that can you know, attack a closeout, be a secondary creator. I think that's really where he has the ability to sort of like hit his upper potential offensively. And man, he's got, the guy's got great numbers, 33% assist rate, 13% turnover rate, 3% steal rate. Um, He shot 64% overall at the rim, only less than 7% of his field goals were assisted at the rim. So he's got some, again, some shot creation, uh, two pointers away from the rim that includes some floaters and stuff like that shot 39% on those and only 9% of those were assisted. So again, this guy's got the ability to put it on the deck and, 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 and score from a, from a couple different levels, whether you see the half court as three or four levels, like he, he can score. Um, and he's a guy that, you know, if he falls to 36, I, I think the Hornets would be, would be really pleased to, to, to snap up. Cause I think he's a guy to come in and help a team. Yeah, way. I agree. All right, let's touch just real quickly here before we finish up. One last guy, uh, Deandre Hunter, obviously the best prospect that is, is in this Virginia team, and a guy that sort of probably played himself into that top six, seven, eight range of of the the NBA lottery. Spencer, is there any spot you you sort of like? Unfortunately, I don't think he's going to fall to Charlotte at twelve. I think that ship sailed a while ago, but. Any of those other lottery teams, perhaps in the top ten, that you'd like to see as a landing spot for a guy, John Drew Hunter, that I know you and I are both big fans of.
4: Yeah well I don't want to see him in LA I'll be honest yeah. <laughs> uh, you
2: know
4: I don't I would never wish for a guy like DeAndre God,
2: a guy like could you imagine could you imagine going from UVA basketball to the Lakers right now Like
4: just, LeBron James uh, yeah, even, yeah so I, I don't wish that for DeAndre um, I really don't wish Cleveland for him either I, I actually like Cleveland yeah. as, as a destination over Los Angeles just so he can get in there learn I think Cleveland could almost treat him as hey let's see if we can develop this guy and he can become something along the lines of of Mm -hmm. Kawhi Leonard right like that's the that's the athlete that's probably the if he reaches his absolute peak and becomes a superstar that can play with the ball in his hands and dribble it seven or eight times when he's going to score like maybe it's possible right so so they could treat him like that in Cleveland I think Atlanta is probably the best fit uh Mm -hmm. I think they're picking eighth and tenth so I I don't think he gets to eight but this lottery is very unpredictable when it's all said and done so I really, really like that fit. The combo of of DeAndre Hunter and John Collins and Trey Young, like that, that excites me. So that's what I would kind of wish for him. I I agree with you. I don't think he's getting to twelve. If he does, we better not pass on him. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, where he's probably going to be drafted, Lakers or the Cavs. I think they're they're both unfortunate uh, locations.
2: I hope Phoenix would just be such a weird fit for him too. I'd rather. I think Atlanta is sort of like any basketball junkie's good fit for any college prospect that you like. Uh, they play the right way, and, and for a guy that you know, Hunter, that's going to need to hit threes, you know, he's going to be. In, it would be a spacey system for him to land in with a really good pick and roll creator and some special. I mean, like I like the thought of he and Kevin Herter on the wing with Trey Young and and John Collins and, and what they've got going on there under under Lloyd Pierce. I think that makes. Uh, a ton of sense and he would help you know help raise the defensive floor of that team um which is something that they could use with guys like trey young and john collins who those guys are building pieces that, you know they're not the best uh defenders so yeah unfortunately likely no no deandre hunter and purple and teal but uh it would be pretty cool to see him a few hours south down down 95 um, with the Atlanta Hawks. So yeah, that wraps up this episode a very very heavy Virginia episode which I know pleases pleases hopefully some of our listeners out there and uh, yeah we'll keep here for all kinds of draft coverage with BuzzBeat. Well we'll be hitting more and more prospects over the next four weeks. And I think next week we're hoping to do some Tobacco Road stuff, so some Cam Reddish and Nasir Little, some of these other guys that could potentially be uh, in the Hornets' ranks are certainly worth uh, kicking the tires on. So, thanks for listening in. Uh, again, be sure to you know listen, rate on iTunes, Spotify, everything. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Go Hornets!